You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. We've been talking this season about the journey, about the spiritual life as a road trip, in fact, Um, in terms of potholes or problems, pit stops, you know, times that we need to rest and refuel, and then also joy rides, those moments when we can just, like, feel the goodness of our lives. Tonight, it's back to the joy rides, and this is the, this is the last week in this season um, before we have a potluck meal together next week, and then we move on into Lent. But we're going we're gonna to try to, we're going to kind of, like, go around the, the, the thing to, to joy tonight. We're, we're not going to go directly to joy because I, um, I think it often comes through struggle. I was realizing that this week again when I, I had a lot of conversations with friends who were feeling pretty lost on the journey. They were not feeling the joy. They were feeling lost in the struggle of their present moment. Um, some, of, some of these friends were raising young children, which can be a real, you know, you're really in it. It can be a really blinding experience, um, as, as joyful as it can be, too. Some of my other friends are looking for jobs, like, endlessly, feeling like they're not going to come, even though they have college degrees. Some were wondering what to do with less-than-satisfying relationships. Some were annoyed with themselves because they feel like they can't get into this adulting thing, even though they are well into the technical stage of adulthood. Some even felt like they missed the route they were supposed to take, and now they can't find their way back from the detour they had got on. And, and maybe they're just eternally doomed to, to like missing out because they're not living up to their potential. And then one of my cellmates posted this little um, book covers of, of life stories meme memes um that and it's it's comical but it seemed to say it well to me um like some of the underlying these stories that we can tell ourselves about our fear and loneliness and and failure so i want to show you some of them hypothetical arguments i've won in the shower these are like life stories fishing the box out of the trash because i didn't read the directions before throwing it away that's a cookbook (laughs) Today I waited inside my apartment because I could hear my neighbor unlocking the door and I didn't want to make small talk. (laughs) I feel like I'm already tired tomorrow. That's a memoir. (laughs) Sleeping until noon every day so I only have to pay for two meals. (laughs) That's how to turn your depression into profit. (laughs) Am I hungry or just bored? That's a choose your own adventure book. Here's more. Philosophy's great questions. Are they mad at me, or have I created another problem for myself that only exists in my head? I can't get through a a three-paragraph work email, but I'll watch a seven-minute video of a puppy with the hiccups. That's a study of today's human attention span. Great mysteries of our time. I said something out loud three days ago, and now I'm seeing ads for it on Facebook. That happens. How does that happen, Josh? You, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's creepy. Introduction to budgeting book. I'm too old for Christmas money from my relatives, but I need it more now than when I was 13. 
Um, this is volume one of 500 of she said, looks great, thank you so much, and still tipped generously after getting a haircut, a terrible haircut, a collection of times I didn't stand up for myself. <laughs> this is a remedial math textbook, telling myself, whatever, it's only $5, the 10,000 times I've said that equals $50,000. <laughs> that, there's Lucy. She's the, she's the famous one who posted this. Um, my resume of special skills, putting trash in an already full trash can without anything <laughs> spilling out. Or a book of Why Did I Do That? A novel by me with guest appearances by a fifth glass of wine when I was already pretty drunk at two. <laughs> per my last email and other phrases for being petty in work emails while also maintaining an air of professionalism. This is the big book of facts I tell everyone I read somewhere. But really, I heard someone say it on a podcast, and it might not even be true. <laughs> if, I get an, if I get an A, I'm not going to get a job when I graduate. That's how to overcome finals anxiety by accepting that they don't matter. This glass of water is literally the best thing I've ever had, and other signs you don't take care of your body. <laughs> and just two more. Learning to live with a loved one who's one of those people who stands up as soon as the plane lands. I love that one. And then finally, new haircuts and other ways not to actually deal with the issue affecting your life right now. So don't judge us. Don't judge ourselves, by the way. We are actually functioning adults. But what I really want to offer you tonight is that relating to God in our lostness can actually lead to transformation and joy. Relating to God in that lost place can actually lead to transformation and joy. Um, my little example from an actual road trip came on back roads like Dave in the, in the, in the boring Midwest. Somehow on that road trip with my family this summer, we, we got off the route um, somewhere like Indiana or Illinois, and I, I was driving, probably wouldn't have happened if my husband was driving, but suddenly we were like on back roads uh, in like, go, like going through small towns. That's not a bad thing, except we were like trying to get to a certain destination by a certain point, and suddenly we were like way off that path, and, and by the time we realized it, we were like too far off the route to go to make it worthwhile to get back to the highway to the original route we we uh we just embraced it and i know that things don't always turn out this way but the journey this part of the journey was so was like i think one of the best parts for me because these back roads were so beautiful they were like windy they were like going over these rolling hills and everything was so green I don't know how it was that green at this point in the summer. We just put the windows down and like felt the air and listened to music. And then the sun, at this point, like the sun was setting, uh, you know, with that golden light. And it was just beautiful. And it just, I, it just made, it was so worth it to me. The detour was worth it. But life doesn't always, our detours don't always turn out that way, right? But... I think there is something to be said about letting God find us where we actually are, not where we think we should be or, or 
you know, trying to manage where we're supposed to be, I think the invitation is to let God find us where we actually are and invite God to do something with us there because that's where the transformation happens. One of my favorite theologians, Richard Rohr, says, if you're lucky, God will lead you to a situation you cannot control, you cannot fix, or you cannot even understand. At that point, true spirituality begins. And up to that point is all just preparation. So if you're lucky, you'll get to something you can't control or fix or understand. And that's the invitation to meet Jesus. This has certainly been my experience. And I was really thinking about it last weekend um, when we had this retreat for people over 40 years old that we called the second half of life retreat. It was so good, but I was, I was really pondering this crisis of limitations that some of the wisdom writers talk about that meeting in the middle of the journey. And I don't think this needs to happen like doesn't always happen at a certain age so I want to kind of open up the conversation for it to it, it to happen at different points in our lives um, but but what Richard Rohr would say is that um, this first part of the of the hero's journey um, is an ascent it's a climb up and it's like he would say it happens like up into your early 30s um, if if you've had the privilege of like getting some um, space to like exercise your power and goodness and potential in your life. If that's the case, you 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 kind of you spend that first part of life kind of creating this container for the rest of, of your life. This is and this is the stage where you you need to make and keep promises in order to grow, he would say. It's a necessary period of idealism where you explore and experience possibilities. There's necessary egocentrism. He would say you're not really in love with God in these early years. You're, you're more in love with the idea of being in love. It's a time for duty, responsibility, hard work, delayed gratification, often black and white worldviews. Again, this is, just, this is just one guy's idea about it. There might be something in here for you. He would say it's, al it's also a time for um, immature and potentially dangerous righteousness, spiritually speaking. Um, even though it's earnest and generous, it's often more about sacrifice than mercy. And that can be really useful for achieving some measure of success in relationships or school or career, whatever it is like you're, you're, you're going for. But if you just keep going up, if you never hit this crisis of limitations and you just keep trying to like acquire degrees and, and, um, and it's not just that external stuff, but like you keep like listen, just listening to your ego um, and, and trying to make yourself feel good and like get the, get the thing that, that feeds your ego and acquire power um, and make a name for yourself you're, you're going to miss the invitation to the spiritual journey. If you just keep doing that, you, you might become an old fool, he said. I would, I would say maybe a rich old fool. <laughs> but the invitation is actually to that crisis of limitations there in the middle. Because uh, hopefully 
the stuff that you want to do, do with your life can't be done without God. Your goals, if your goals are, are actually meaningful, you're going to hit that crisis of li- limitations. If your goals are not as tiny as just making a crap load of money and making yourself feel good and important all the time, if your goals are about healing the world and about others too, you're, you're going to hit that crisis of limitations. But it doesn't necessarily feel good at all. It can come, it can be, it's usually accompanied by failure, feeling like you're falling apart, acting out to regain power and control. It can be a time of inner loss of meaning where you have to confront your limits and, and deal with paradox and mystery, even in yourself. Yeah, you have to confront the cross often for the first time even if you've like grown up in church all your life. Heroic virtues don't usually work anymore, nor do they always help. He would say that you need humility and honesty in this stage to move from self-control to God control. And then he, and then he would say like, if, if you can't, um, and this is, this is really the period of self-identity forming, um, but if we can't meet God in this crisis of limitations, we might just get angry and bitter. We, we might become old people who are just kind of mad and crotchety. And we've met those people, I'm sure. But if we can meet Jesus there in that crisis of limitations and decide to follow him, even to the cross, we begin the wisdom journey. He calls this a wisdom journey, which is more like a descent. And I, I like this little graph for it because, it, you know, when people say over the hill, it really is like going over the, like you're going down the second half. That reminds me of John the Baptist saying, I must decrease. It's that kind of thing. It's about letting go, trust, patience, and surrender. It's about holy abandonment, compassion, the dark night of faith, the Abrahamic journey from what you have to what you don't have yet. And on the descent, you're finally secure enough to be insecure. But you still need spiritual guidance because your old rules don't apply. They don't work in their old form. So it's this time of painful insights and like surgery, redefining victory and success putting on the mind of Christ, which he calls the paschal mystery. And in this stage, you can't fake prayer anymore. You pray to survive. And your shadow side, this is probably my favorite part, your shadow side, which is all those, all those parts of us that, that um, those compulsions in all of us that keep us like just wanting to ascend with our egos and acquire power and control, in the, in the wisdom journey, they are embraced, but not just embraced and tolerated, they are forgiven and seen as a gift. The rejected stone becomes the cornerstone, like Peter says, of Jesus. And in this stage, it's about mercy instead of sacrifice. So I think, I think this is where God can take us. And, and even as I say it again now, it doesn't sound very, this does not sound very encouraging. I know this. 
go ahead and die. Um, it doesn't sound real hopeful, but um, I think it is. I think this is the way to true life and freedom and deep joy. And, the, and part of the reason I, I am convinced of that is because Jesus himself chose a crisis of limitations. He chose it. And so I, I want to, and he chose it as a gateway to joy. So I want to kind of explore that with you um, through a, a scripture from Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews wrote, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin which so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race or the road trip marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. For this last part of the talk, I want to kind of pick through this scripture here, um, the first couple of phrases anyway. See if we can get the, the words from Jesus here. That, that cloud of witnesses um, that the writer of Hebrews says that we are surrounded by, I used to think that was like, I was, that that was like, um, uh, the people in the grandstands that are, like, watching you, you know, dead or alive, they're, like, seeing if you're going to mess up and, like, judging you or something. And now I don't think that at all. I think it's really um, the pe- we can look around here now and see, see a sample of the cloud of witnesses. It's the people of faith that can actually support us on our journey and that we can, that we can lean into. It's the, it's, it's the love of the community of faith that we are surrounded by, and and not just here in this room, but all over the world, and people who have come before us, like Julian of Norwich that I was just talking about. This great cloud of witnesses is for our success on the journey. It's for our support. I'm not saying that, like, you know, we should just go ahead and mess up, but I'm saying that who we are and what we do matters way more for our capacity for healing and, and redeeming the world than our capacity to destroy. But still, the writer says, um, get, rid of, get rid of your penchant for destruction or whatever it is that weighs you down. Um, and he makes a distinction, or she makes a distinction between everything that hinders, and the sin that so easily entangles, because they're not necessarily the same thing. I think not everything that hinders us is actually sin. But we, act, but, but we should know what we're prone to, you know? And, and I, think, I think the way to know that are, is, to, is to get into some of that crisis of limitations work and know our wounds that make us vulnerable. The more we know about that, the more we ask for, the more we can ask for the reliable power of the Holy Spirit to overcome, and and we can overcome. And I think that's why the Scripture says, "Let us run." You know, it's not like God is saying, "Get out there and run, Terry." It says, you know, Jesus is not like the whistleblower at the start of the race or the whatever with the gun, just saying, you know, go. 
it says, let us run, because I think that God is with, going with us and, and our brothers and sisters here, with us, kind of like, more like the support vehicle on the, you know, next to the ultra marathoner who has like water and fresh sneakers and everything you might need for the journey. Let us run. And let us run with perseverance. That word for perseverance there in the ancient Greek is so interesting to me. It's, it's a word um, that means unhurried, unhurried determination. So this is not a race about speed or, uh, I don't know, who looks the best or, um, I don't know, has the best form or something. This is about desire to be with God. This is about desire and determination, relentless, relentless um, pursuit. If you want it, hang on. I think that's, that's, what he, that's what the author is saying there in the Greek. It's about refusing to be deflected. You know, just like Jesus said, the, the scripture says when he, when that last week, he set his face like flint toward Jerusalem. In order to get to the cross, he was going to have to have that kind of determination. Nobody could talk him out of it. Not even himself. And I think the only way to do the only way to actually do that on our journey, like to get the to get to the end of our road and become old people who aren't foolish or angry or bitter. I think, is to fix our eyes on Jesus. He goes before us as the pioneer. He went through this first, and so he's present to us in all the little deaths that we might need to take in order to become our true selves. And he, he chose to face them for this greater good, and I think that's the invitation for us, too, because we don't, we don't have to do this. You know, Jesus got to choose, and we get to choose, too. We could just, like, keep trying to climb up, and face whatever happens there. Or we could choose to be with God, to partner with him in this work of transformation for the whole world. So I want to call your attention to the joy here in closing because this is supposed to be about joy rides. That phrase for the joy set before him really got to me this week because I thought, you know, what a weird thing to put in there when you're talking about like a torturous death and a, and a struggling race. You know, the word race, even in Greek, means struggle. And I, you know, I don't know if you've ever run a race. It's, it feels like that, right, Alex? It's not all like, you get the endorphins at the end. But while you're running, it's like, why am I doing this? <laughs> um, anyway, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So I was thinking, well, what is the joy that was set before Jesus? Why, why did he do it? What was it up ahead that kept him moving toward death and through death? And I think the joy set before him was us. It was the, commu it was the community of faith becoming his living body in the world. It was and is the people of God the prospect of our circle of hope, even, taking shape to help redeem the world. 
I, I was thinking about this at the Old Testament retreat yesterday because the this is really like the narrative of the entire Bible is about a, a people, a group forming who are responding to God's love and coming home again. And, you know, all throughout the Old Testament, they like get lost so many times and they wander and they struggle so much. They get so lost that God finally becomes one of us. God covers the distance himself to actually call us back. And I think he's still trying to do that, even here tonight with us. So I invite you to work, work with Jesus in, in coming to find you and me in our lostness, if you're feeling that way. Let him, let him find you where you actually are, not where you think you should be. And if you feel lost, it's okay. It might actually be that much-needed invitation to, to get into something new, to embrace that, those shadow parts of you like God does. It might be an invitation to do something beyond your pain, to participate in the redemption of the whole world like we're doing here together. So let me pray for us that we could go there with Jesus. Lord, I thank you tonight even for the detours on our journey that we question and sometimes beat ourselves up about. I pray that you would come and find us where we are and show us that everything belongs, that it's an invitation to, to meet you, to em- embrace those parts of ourselves that um, can be so messy. Help us to follow you into what's next. Give us that vision, Lord, for for the joy that you have set before us, even on our journey, and keep forming us um, as your people together for the redemption of the whole world. Help us to see our part in that big movement that you're doing, that we are essential to. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.